Break the Stigma. This is your host, Natalie Bolin. I'm with the Alcohol, Drug Addiction, Mental Health Services Board of Tuscarawas and Carroll County, the Adams Board. So let's talk about high school. So you're in high school and talk to me about some of the offers that start rolling in for scholarships and college opportunities. So after I got named quarterback, because I, I thought once I got named quarterback, I was like, okay, football's it. I can get a full ride scholarship. Baseball does not give full rides. So I'm going to focus on base on football <clears throat> and I want to try to get both. My... After my junior season, the first offer I got was from Ohio University. And um, that was, you know, a great moment. And I feel like if my dad was alive, he was like, all right, you're signing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But to me at that time, so I had like a false confidence that I like to kind of portray. And at that time, I'm like, well, I'm going to Ohio State. You know, deep down, I did have doubts, but. To me, I was like, I'm going to Ohio State, you know, uh, Coach Shift took me and Daniel around to all these camps. Um, and there was a lot of colleges that talked to Coach Shift like, hey, we're interested. We want to give him an offer. Is he interested? And, you know, I, I was in love at the time. So um, I don't know how Coach Shift felt about that. He probably was like, oh, my gosh, because he didn't know I would end up marrying her. And he That's was probably so like, what is he doing? He's throwing away colleges just because of a high school relationship. Because um, there was colleges like Florida Atlantic that are like in West Palm or something like that. And I saw that campus when I was playing for uh, pro baseball. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm glad I married her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she's glad to hear that. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but I, I went on visits to Cincinnati and up front. I was like, hey, I'm interested in playing both. They were like, you can't do that here. Mm. And I'm like, uh. But basically, ultimately, I want to say the schools that were realistic and the things that I could and the schools that I could go to were Ohio University, um, actual all black college, Southern University in Louisiana, Florida Atlantic, Eastern Michigan. And um, Illinois was really both baseball and football. They wouldn't let me play both. So I was going to have to decide. Mm-hmm. But but football, they had Juice Williams, so that kind of went away. But, you know, baseball, they wanted me. But for me, I was like, that's way too far. (laughs) Uh, Despite the guy driving nine hours to come see me uh, when a game got rained out. Like, I had no clue. I was just like, yeah, whatever. Talked to him for a little bit at my house. I didn't have any. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know that he made a lot of effort to come talk to me and stuff like that. So, and coach Bircher, my baseball coach always gives me a hard time about that. <laughs> he came to see you for baseball. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And our game got rained out and I just didn't really have, obviously Susie and Grover, their hospitality was good, but I just, I didn't get, I didn't grasp what was going on at the time. That makes uh, sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that anybody would have at that age. That's that's a lot for a high school junior. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting letters from all these schools, you know, Vanderbilt, you know, Miami, uh, Miami and Florida, not Miami, Ohio, but <laughs> still a good school. Yeah, well, they're they're Ball State's rival. So oh, my. I don't like Miami, Ohio. I'm all right, not. so sorry. <laughs> I'm joking. It, it was funny when <laughs> Coach Brady Hoke would try to get us to be angry at Miami, Miami, Ohio, because that was his rival. They, they were the only school that didn't vote Ball State into the MAC. At it the time. worked, didn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'm getting all these letters, so I'm assuming I'm going anywhere. But 
Yeah. So you mentioned that false confidence. Are you are you still kind of building up that confidence, still feeling pretty good, or is that is that good enough still creeping in there at that point? Um, I would say it's still creeping in in some aspects. Um, you know, talking to people, getting to know people, that I feel like that's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Unless maybe I have like a big pimple or something on my nose, then I'll be like, all right, man, I'll talk to you later. Um, But for the most part, making sure I think I still struggle in confidence with being the provider for my family, just because I know the potential of money I could have made, even though my wife, she is far from. She has never said or even acted like, oh, man, I wish you were still playing baseball so you can have all this money. You know, she's still staying in her little house and Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to move into a bigger house. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm glad to, you know, have her in my life because I know, you know, some people might not have been as patient for so long, matter of fact, and then uh, still, you know, and and I have a good job at Comdoc, you know, don't take it bad, Steve. No, (laughs) (laughs) but um, it's just this, you know, and I try not to compare myself, but I know there's certain people that live in different neighborhoods that I'd always thought I wanted to live in. And, uh, you know, I still struggle a little bit with that just because I want my family to have everything, you know, which they technically do. I get it. I get it again. (laughs) I don't think you're alone there either. Um, So you finally decided on the school. How'd you decide? (laughs) So this is kind of funny. So I waited super long on Ohio State, went on a visit there. They said, we're not going to give you a scholarship. But you probably won't look at you to next spring and you're going to get beat up a, a lot every day at practice being the scout team quarterback. So I looked and I said, James Laronitis, I don't want to deal with that. So uh, basically, I waited too long for Ohio University. I'd never made a decision for them. So they took their offer away. They had to go other places since I never made a decision. And I would say it got to be my summer of my senior or of my after I graduated. It was like. Oh my I gosh. was like, I was like graduating. Yes, I, it happened. I had already went on a visit to Ball State with Daniel and I didn't know anything about that school. I literally, I thought it was like this little campus over here. I didn't know how big it was. And, um, and I was making fun of Daniel. I'd never heard of that school. I was like, Ball State, you know, when you're in high school, <laughs> <laughs> you do dumb jokes. But anyways, <laughs> um, it came down to really relying on, on Ball State a little bit. Um, always keeping that there like Daniel like what's going on there and I almost went to Mount Union and um, there was some there wasn't any trust there because uh, they told me I was going to be a starting quarterback and that the quarterback they had now who's a two-time national champ was going to be graduating but he was only he was only he was going to be a junior I believe that the next year so I was like ah, I'm not and then last minute Ball State had a quarterback kicked off the team <laughs> So it was perfect, <laughs> perfect timing. Yeah. So I was a preferred walk on no scholarship, just academic scholarships. Mm-hmm. And it was an out of state school. Wish I would have just I, chosen in state school. I get it. Me too. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, I ended up, you know, getting some scholarships from my school. Good thing. Uh, at Dover's got some good education, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I ended up going to ball state on as a preferred walk on with hopes to get a, um, a scholarship earned, uh, knowing I was going to be low on the depth chart cause they had a good quarterback there. And, uh, you know, that quickly set in to, to be the, the confidence lower once I got to ball state. All right, let's talk about that. Yeah. So one thing, and, and I feel like I never had admitted this, but 
once I got to the Ball State locker room, I was kind of intimidated because I didn't know what Ball State was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. The campus was bigger than I thought it was. I think there was like 18,000 students, and I thought there was going to be like 2,500. <laughs> and um, I got lost. Difference. Yeah. <laughs> I got lost my first day. I was in some neighborhood looking for my class. And uh, I get to practice, and, you know, the – the club, uh, the locker room, it's, <clears throat> it's full of like super athletic, talented guys, but most of them are black. And I'd never seen that before. So me in my locker room, even if it wasn't true, I always looked at myself as, well, you know, I'm pretty much the best athlete everywhere I've been. Mm-hmm. And going into that locker room, seeing guys from Florida, Georgia, just all over, it kind of like, well, okay, they're, they're coming for some bigger areas. You know, their talent pool is probably different. And that automatically kind of just, all right, now I got to prove myself, not to them, but to me, mm-hmm. you know, a uh, terrible way to think, by the way. I but. think that's really normal, though. <laughs> it is normal, but it's terrible. <laughs> it, it, so how, what did you do with that then? So you, of course, your confidence, confidence is shaken. You went from being top dog at everything to now where, where do I fit in this? Um, what'd you do with that? Um, not the best. So the, the first thing um, I noticed is, when I was in practice, they threw me into the first team. So the coach told me he was going to do that, but I thought it was just coach jabber. Like, oh, I'll put you the first team. You better have that playbook memorized. And of course I didn't. Um, and I came in and literally the first two a day, Coach Parrish, who was Tom Brady's quarterback coach at Michigan. So he's he's got a great resume. He's a great mm-hmm. coach. Throws me into the wolves with the first team. And there's the whole line is like juniors and seniors and uh, the quarterback there was Nate Davis. He was this highly uh, recruited athlete, got drafted for baseball, basically basically could have played professional sports at every every sport. He played professional football. He got drafted to play professional baseball, and he was like top Ohio basketball scorers behind like LeBron, and he wasn't allowed to play basketball by the football team. So just this all-world athlete mm-hmm. and uh, – the one thing, like when I first met him, I was surprised. And this is the point I knew that something was wrong with my confidence at that part in football. That was mm-hmm. he, we got to talking and he's like, yeah, man, heard a lot about you. Um, they say you're better than me. We'll see about that. And I was like, wow, they say I'm better than Nate Davis. That should not have been the first thought in my head, but it was. When you're playing at the collegiate level, Division One, you have to come in with a, a certain swagger and confidence, and everyone can tell right away. So when I got in that huddle, without me even saying anything, mm-hmm. the line is like, get him out. They literally said, get out before anything happened. Coach was like, nah, and I couldn't even say the play. So after I couldn't say the play, Literally, the center, Dan Gerberry, just pushed me. He's like, we're not, we're not running to play with this quarterback. <laughs> so there's another just knock down the totem pole. And, uh, and one of the funniest moments I had in college, because a lot of guys looked at me, which Coach Parrish did not like this at all. I always looked at like the, the clown. Like, people was like, oh, Percy's funny, always having a good time. And he's, he's used to like a Tom Brady quarterback, you know. And... You know, the one of the one of the days that I took, um, I get out of the pocket and the quarterbacks don't get hit, but I'm a little heavier than I was when I was recruited. We'll say about 25 pounds heavier. (laughs) 
And uh, I came out of the pocket and was one-on-one with the safety and tried to do a move and, like, looked so unathletic and fell down. And the whole practice, this is 120 guys, plus coaching staff, training staff, video guy, everybody, probably 150 people are looking at me and just are laughing and and yes at the time like it was funny even in my mind i laughed but the same token i'm like i'm not used to this at all Mm -hmm. i'm used to making other people look dumb Mm -hmm. and uh that was another shot so it was just shot after shot to my confidence and uh um and to see the other players be so confident Mm -hmm. it, it just affected me on a level like this is how i should be and i'm not and that was always in my head how much of that was something that you just decided that you rolled with that, that it was going to impact your confidence and how much of it was really intentional with what they said and what they did to try to shake you down? I don't think a, much of it was intentional. Mm-hmm. I think it just happened. And mm-hmm. then I started to look back on things after the fact, like I am now and think to myself, like if my, if I have was confident in myself who knows? I might have put up good numbers in my in a, in a football career, um, but Coach Parrish could spot it. The team could spot it. So I never really I got in some blowouts and mm-hmm. and took some knees, as my wife would say. Um, but I never saw myself after a certain point. I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to be quarterback of this team. And then Coach Hoke made that true by not even having a quarterback. Um, competition before the season the season ended and next year I was going to be the, that was that was the thing they were keeping me from playing baseball was you're going to be the quarterback when Nate leaves once he gets drafted and he just after our season uh, he just blatantly says you know Kelly's going to be the quarterback and you know we want you to be the backup and that would ju- that just crushed me sure. so I was like I'm not going to be a backup my whole career so that's when I kind of forced my way into baseball let's talk about that there's some more confidence. <laughs> so uh, my baseball tryout, I called Coach Beals, who is now Ohio State's coach. And I said, uh, you know, hey, I'm Percy Garner. I'm thinking he knows who I am. He, he kind of knows who I am. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking I'm just going to say, hey, I'm playing baseball now. Like, when do I start? <laughs> and he's like, um, we've already had our, our walk-on tryouts. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe next year you can, you know. And I was like, Wait, no, like I thought he knew who I was. I thought he was uh-huh. knew I was going to be playing baseball. I'm telling all these baseball players in my class, like, hey, I'm going to be playing baseball. I'm really good. <laughs> and, uh, and so he's like, you know what? I'll, I'll give you a week and I'll, you know, I'll let you try out and, and we'll see. Thank God. Coach, <laughs> Coach Beals gave me that chance. But the first five days were horrendous. I could not throw the ball from me to Josh. Um, it just wasn't, I hadn't played baseball in two years. Football feels different. And that was the, another shot to my confidence. And, uh, I don't know what gave me, uh, the strength and know how to, on the sixth day, they let me get on the mound and pitch. And my first pitch went straight to the glove. And I was just like, there is a God. Thank God. <laughs> and, um, they started laughing and I'm like, Oh no, they're like, keep pitching. Cause they have the radar gun behind me. And, uh, you know, after about maybe six or seven pitches or something like that, they're like, welcome to the team. Uh, they're like, you're throwing 91 to 93. 
and it was in the vicinity of the catcher. <laughs> so, Good enough. So, yeah. So I joined the team and, you know. So if I, your teammates, your friends, your family back then, would they know, would I be able to sit across from them and say, tell me how you saw Percy at that time, whenever he was switching from football to baseball and whenever he was kind of getting knocked down a little bit. Did, did anyone know, see, did you act differently? I don't, when I came home, I don't think mm -hmm. people knew. I, I'll tell you my brother, Jason, my older brother, he would have known. Um, Coach Ift would have known, not because I told them. They just know me and my demeanor. And when I talk about certain things, um, I wouldn't even know it, but they could probably read and be like, ah, I don't know, you know. Uh, so I would say in Micah, Daniel, all my close friends, they probably felt like, okay, you know, purse is struggling, you know. Um, but it was, it was definitely hard and I never let that on. Mm -hmm. People didn't get that from me they would have to read it so is there anything that you if someone could have done something said something that would have made a difference at that time do you know what that would be or is that it wouldn't have even mattered because that's not you weren't at a point where you could hear that stuff then I'm not sure I think if someone would have tried I think if coach shift or my brother or Micah maybe even the most from Micah just because he would have been coming from a different angle mm -hmm. like I would expect you know, coach if to try to, you know, encourage me. But if, if Michael would have came from like a different perspective, like being real and maybe sharing something like, Hey man, I struggle, you know, with confidence in this area is like, you know, are you struggling with anything or, you know, do you feel, do you believe in yourself to compete at this level? That might've had an impact. I don't know. Cause the way I think now, mm -hmm. yes. Right. But, uh, at that time, I think I was so out of touch from, you know, mental health and the proper way to, to think about certain situations. And that's, and even yeah. just giving a voice to it, like even just, you know, I think people sometimes feel like if we give it a voice, we give it power. And then how do you come out from underneath it once you put words to it? But I think it's, it can be incredibly freeing. Sometimes you need to go a step further than just giving words to it. But the idea of um, kind of unloading and opening up that box where we keep some of that, whatever it is, insecurity or stress or anxiety, um, I think is pretty powerful. Something else, and this, this isn't what I had intended to talk about, and I only want to mention this for a second, but there is um, a, a big stigma reduction campaign going on in different parts of the country. And, and the idea is quit saying man up. Because when we, when we wrap our, our mind around the idea of you got to man up, then we don't let, especially men who have higher, you know, higher yeah. risks of, of suicide rate. And, and whenever they, they do attempt, their attempts are um, deadlier than, than typically women's women, not women's. <laughs> um, so the, it's just really a nationwide effort to encourage us to stop telling people to man up because you're human, you know, you're human, just like, like, you know, more expressive women can be are human. I'm, I'm really not saying this well, Percy. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah, though, well, and you, it makes sense. Can you clean it up for me? Can you, what the I heck am I trying to say? I don't know if I can put a say? bow on stuff like you can, oh, man. but I, I would say, uh, saying man up is really uh it's it's equivalent to 
being ignorant in a in another matter that we're not going to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> it's just you don't you don't know um, unless you are a spiritual being or or just in touch with your own thoughts um, or have other men that you speak with that feel the same way. Um, I, I look at man up as a different thing now um, that I did most of my life. And it's because of a, a Christian rap song and it's called man up, but it's, it's totally different in their lyrics. They're actually pretty good. You might, you know, it, it might not be your taste, but to listen to the lyrics, you'll be like, Oh, like this is the true. <laughs> so I have to ask again. So how, how do the lyrics differ from the idea of man up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Just how, what's in the lyrics that leads you to a different way to look at it? So, um, I would say, so the, the group is called 116. That's basically all the, the main Christian rap artists there are like the Cray, Andy, Minio, Tadashi, all those guys. Um, but like the song goes, uh, it talks about what's expected of you in the, in the secular world. And that's, you know, man up. I think the guy says, mama wants to see Obama in me. Hood wants to see Tupac someone wants to see common. So common's like mm -hmm. a, he's a rapper as well, but he's more of like a, um, uh, an intelligent rapper, not hating on Tupac, but Tupac was more of a raw, you know, and so you're expected to do certain things by different people, um, as men. And it's not what lines up with, with, what God wants. Um, and that's just one that's like, just one of the lines that's, you know, just sticking in my head. That's a perfect uh, but example. Yeah. The whole song though, is just, it just basically talks about, you know, try, not trying to be tough, you know, and like visually or physically, uh, but being the different ways of being tough for your family, for yourself, uh, for God in certain, certain situations. Cause they, the one sixteen, they get that from Romans one sixteen, which is, you know, do not deny the father in front of man, or he will deny you in front of his father. So, or deny Jesus in front of man or he'll deny his front of his father. So it's, it, it really tugs on you. Right. And that, that's, that's exactly, I think the message that they're trying to get across is how do you, how can we support our community, our men and being strong men without saying that you can't have anxiety or you can't have depression or you can't have sadness or you can't have frustration. Um, how do we, how do we handle that differently and look at that differently? Um, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I try to try to be a, as much as I can just be someone who displays that, I guess. Um, yes, I do still have a shield up and I want to portray a certain character, uh, if you will, uh, to people in Tuscarawas County or to people over the internet. Um, but I also, at the same time, I feel like I'm very authentic in, in a way that helps other people, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that's why, you know, this is good for me talking about this stuff. So, Well, and I think it takes a very strong person to talk like you're talking today. I mean, it, you, you have to be very strong to be vulnerable. And you have let me kind of poke into a lot of areas of your life. And I, I, I you, you can't do that if you're not a strong person. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you. <laughs> you think that we're done? We're not done. We haven't even gotten to the meet yet. <laughs> With every star.
for joining us. Tune in for the next episode.